Day. I want to talk about that. And I want to talk a little bit about the danger of forgetting God. And that's one of the things that the, I'm seeing now uh, in this uh, in, in the news, we've been dealing with it for quite some time now. We're seeing all kinds of chaos. We're seeing all kinds of rioting. We're seeing all kinds of things that are going on. And it seems like things are out of control. And I've had people say, things are just out of control, Pastor Rod. And I said, God's still got things in control. Trust me, because it can get a whole lot worse. We don't want to see that. But uh, that is the truth. And this week, uh, since it's Father's Day weekend, I want to uh, talk a little bit about that and encourage the fathers of their responsibilities in uh, slowing this stuff down, slowing all of the, the uh, chaos down and what their role is. And I have to say, it's pretty tough being a father right now, this day and age, especially being a, a believer, a Christian father. Last, uh, or just a, yeah, last month we just talked about mothers and, and their role and, and, uh, what type of blessing they are. And this, this week or this month rather, uh, we're going to talk about fathers and their role. But, uh, it, to be a responsible, godly father, it's a pretty tough, uh, role this day and age. So some, uh, some of the things that bother me is the, the depiction, first of all, before we get into all that, the depiction of what men are in some people's minds. And I know it's intended to be funny. And it's, it is kind of funny in a, in a certain sort of goofy way. But uh, I don't know that I, I really like being portrayed as that... Uh, What's the words I want to use? Oh, I got the words here somewhere. That immature, you know, type of guy. That uh, that guy that's irresponsible. That guy that's kind of clueless. How many? How many know what I'm talking about? There's a lot of times guys are portrayed as being clueless and immature, beer drinking, grilling fools out there, and that's kind of the image that. Uh, the world likes to give the men of uh, the church, to give the men in general. And I don't really care for that and because and, and, we're more than that. We have uh, greater responsibility than that, you know, and, and we're not all about NASCAR and football and any other kind of sports. We're men who have a job to do, responsibilities. We've got a warfare spiritual warfare that we are fighting, and uh, the women we talked about, I know, have um, a warfare that they fight too, and, and all of us together, uh, we make up a kingdom people, and it's, and, it, and it's more than the image that is oftentimes portrayed on television through sitcoms and whatever, you know, and that we're all immature guys, and, and we're clueless, and if it wasn't for the women, we couldn't survive and all that. And that's partially true. <laughs> I'm going to admit it. But uh, I, don't, I don't really like that being portrayed that way. You know, again, it's supposed to be funny, but uh, it gets old. <laughs> okay. So too often guys fit that bill, though. 
Too often, guys kind of fit that bill, and uh, they've kind of adopted that stereotype and don't expect too much more of themselves than that. And that's a sad thing. But I want to believe that I myself and the guys that I minister to here, we're better than that. Amen? How many want to say amen to that? Kenny, you're better than that. Right? That's right. So that's not to say that that's the image everyone has, you know, in portraying guys. But it is oftentimes what they call the all-American guy. So anyway, I want to be better than that. Starting, uh, start to take, uh, we need to start taking ownership, guys, in the, in the church. We need to start taking ownership of the responsibility that God has placed on our shoulders and in our lives and let, diff, uh, uh, let a different image shine through than what uh, the world wants to portray us as. And godly image rather than a godless uh, self-absorbed, irresponsible image that has already been described um, earlier. So I'm telling you, there are too many young males out there that are reproducing themselves. This is another point. There's too many uh, young guys out there that are reproducing themselves and having a clue what it means uh, to be actual fathers. They don't know what fatherhood is all about. Um, they... They know how to make a family, but they don't know how to, to raise a family. They don't know what it means to uh, take care of those little creatures that they've, you know, manufactured, okay, for lack of better terms. There's a huge, massive responsibility placed on your shoulders, guys, when you become a father. I remember... When my kids were born, I was there for each one of them, and, and each time I saw them come into the world, a huge amount of responsibility came on me, and I enjoyed it because I knew it came from God, and I wanted to be a responsible man for those young people that Kim and I happened to create. Kind of an uncomfortable subject for me to talk about, Jamie. But uh, anyway, um, there's so many of these guys that don't want to get a job. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how much more I can talk about this without getting on a rant. But they don't want to get a job, and they don't want to do the right thing, and it, uh, by providing a home and and security and everything else that goes along with being a father, and they. Not, but it's not altogether their fault, um, but they are old enough and honestly uh, should be responsible to a certain degree. And they, but the truth of the matter is they haven't been trained uh, to assume the responsibility of being a parent. So we have a lot of little boys out there calling themselves men and they haven't got a clue what it means to be men. I remember hearing a message, I think it was Tony Evans was speaking on, maybe it wasn't, but it, I think it was, that uh, what the world needs now is a bunch of bull elephants. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but those bull elephants don't take no guff from the little boys, from the little elephants. And they bring them into line. Now, they don't have to be mean, they don't have to be uh, 
They don't have to whip them into shape physically or anything, but they need to make sure they take charge and train these guys up to be real men. So you see every day on the news the irresponsible actions of a lot of these uh, guys and this generation in general. And so we need uh, fathers, real men of God, helping to uh, train and bring up guys to be that responsible uh, generation who love and live for God. So what I'm observing is failure and a breakdown in parenting. And it happens all at the home. I've been uh, told several different times, I don't know what this world's coming to. I can't believe what I'm seeing. That all is because we've left God out of the equation. We've left God out of the picture. And I feel that we can all agree on this, that in order to have a generation of spiritually healthy and psychologically healthy young uh, people, guys and gals both, then you have to have both parents in the picture. Sometimes that doesn't happen. And I realize there's circumstances that take place. But for the most part, what I'm saying is that we need both parents, and especially we need a father who's going to be the man of God that he's called to be. I think statistically it's been documented that much of the crime and many of the broken uh, households and families um, are a, a result or have this in common or have this thread in common that there's a lack of the presence of a father in the home. So our big, one of our big problems is, is absentee fathers. In one way or another, the common thread in most of these cases is a problem of an absentee father. It's a single parent home. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that there isn't some ladies and there are some tough gals out there, and they've gone uh, forward. They've, they've made something of themselves. They've been able to raise kids. They've been able to go to school. they got a job. They've done, they've done it all. And there's some women that can do that and have done that. And they've been, they have a successful single-parent home. And I'm, I'm standing here amazed when I think about that. But the issue is this whole issue of having a single-parent home is growing every day. And this is extremely, an extremely serious problem when one parent or the other is absent or both. But it's a well-known fact that when the father is absent in one way or another, physically, psychologically, or especially spiritually, it can be an absolutely devastating uh, factor in the family union. Studies, and this doesn't come from me, this comes from something I uh, was reading, uh, there's studies that show that there's a huge increase in violent crimes. How many would say we could probably attest to that? Everything that we're seeing nowadays coming across the news. Illegitimate birth is on the rise. Divorce rates have skyrocketed, I believe, once again. Those same children that, raised, that were raised in a single-parent home often raise their children in a single-parent home. Suicides increase, 
And I don't want to bore you with all those numbers and stuff and statistics. So just, just mentioning them, we know, is uh, hard enough to swallow. And there's uh, education is also suffering dramatically. So, folks, the statistics are very alarming, and we can all agree on that. And we're seeing it played out every day. Uh, so all we've got to do is watch the news for just a few moments, and we'll see it. So what the question is, is what is the reason for the breakdown that we're observing? What's causing this generation to be so out of control and chaotic right now and crazy that they don't even have a sense of rationale, it seems like. I mean, I'm, I'm all for thinking outside of the box, don't get me wrong. I like when people come up with new thoughts and new ideas because I am certainly not going to have all the angles on everything. But some of the rationale out there is absolutely nuts. The way people think this generation has... Uh, Gone astray, you might say. So I'm thinking, so thinking outside of the box is one thing, but there's some of this stuff is so far out of the box, it's, it doesn't even make sense. So what's going on? Some would say discipline in the home, in the household. It's a problem. So some of them think that a good old fashioned stick across the bottom or the, your backside is going to solve most of the problem. And I got to concur, getting a whooping wasn't such a bad thing growing up. And I only remember getting one. I learned real quickly, my dad meant business. And I'm not, I, and you can ask dad, he's sitting right back there. He, he didn't have a lot of trouble out of me or, or my siblings. He didn't have a lot of things. I mean, not to say that we were angels or anything, but he didn't have a lot to uh, be concerned about. So, but anyway, the point is, you get the point. Sometimes good old-fashioned uh, disciplinary action isn't such a bad thing. So some would say, though, that education is the answer. And you got an education when you got that rod across your butt. So education is helpful. So we have to give our kids a good education once in a while, but I am talking about academic uh, education. Okay, so if we're saying that, if that's part of the solution to what's going on in the world today, i got to agree, that's a part of the solution. So write again if that's what you're thinking. So both of these uh, things... Uh, discipline and education, there's other things that people are going to think is going to be helpful. And all these things are extremely important and necessary, but are they enough? Are they enough to manage what's going on in the world today? I don't think so. If it was, then a lot of this wouldn't be happening, and it sure wouldn't be getting worse. There are, I'm not going to say that because I'll get into politics again. I don't believe that uh, education and I don't believe discipline is the only answer to our dilemma. So earlier I mentioned that a huge reason for the moral breakdown of the home was a direct result of absentee parents and especially fathers. And there are three ways that the fathers can be absent. Physically, first of all, they just simply aren't there. 
They just simply aren't there. They walk off and leave their family. They abandon their family, whatever, uh, for whatever reason. Okay? Psychologically, I'm not going to expound on everything because we don't have enough time uh, this morning to do all of that. So psychologically, so some fathers just simply aren't there. They're at the house. They're there, but they don't have uh, anything to offer the kids in rearing them and raising them up. How many know that that's true? They don't have any uh, real support going on. They don't have uh, that natural affection that they should have. And uh, like Shay's doing right now, hugging that little baby of hers, and and, uh, i got a grandson that's here, you know, and to watch my son and, and daughter-in-law to, you know, show that of natural uh, affection, that does something psychologically for those kids, okay? And it gives them some footing. But the most important way and probably the most common way a parent, especially the father, can be absent is spiritually, there are a lot of parents out there that have raised some very successful, hard-working uh, children. Don't get me wrong. But spiritually speaking, generation after generation, the children have been spiritually deprived. In the past 50 to 60 years, uh, you know, I, I, I'm almost 60, getting there. Uh, but when I grew up, there was a, a lot of good moral background and, and those kinds of things. Uh, so it wasn't so bad then, but generations have gone by. And we gradually see the decay happening. So the past 50 or 60 years, we've observed de- a gradual de- decay in morality. And it's blamed oftentimes on Education is blamed on the lack of discipline. It's blamed on TV programs. It's blamed on the government, our schools, whatever. But the truth of the matter is, the reason of the spiritual and moral decay, and I hope every father is listening here today and on uh, live streaming, the truth of the matter is, is the reason for the spiritual and moral decay of this nation and the family unit can fall squarely on the shoulders of the parents and especially the shoulders of the fathers and grandfathers. I told you I was going to be tough for a little bit. But it's the truth. It's the truth. And I know it hurts, um, but it's true. Biblically speaking, and I'll show you this here before it's over with. Biblically speaking, the responsibility rests on the obedience of the father and the grandfathers of each generation to pass along the precepts of God. That's where the problem starts. Moral structure is found in the Word of God. And I know, I've known parents who've said, well, we think that our children should be able to make up their own mind. They ought to be able to decide for themselves what kind of a religion they're going to... Uh, live for. Listen, your children, whether you want to believe it or not, were, was born with a sin nature. It's in opposition to the Heavenly Father, the God and the Creator of this world. 
they are not going to seek after Him. Okay? And so, they're left to their own devices. They're going to follow everything that sounds good to them. And they're going to make up their own minds. So what I'm saying is they're going to be their own God. That's where our problem is with everything that's going on. So let me just tell you, it's not going to work out the way uh, you think if your philosophy for your kids is I'm going to let them make up their own minds as they grow up. Baloney. Don't live or don't believe that lie. Let me just tell you, it's just not going to work out. We have a generation of juvenile delinquents out there, and uh, some of them are a little older than that, that too. And they're burning businesses down, destroying lives, homes, and properties. So how is it that it's working out to let them be their own God? It's not working out. The Bible says in Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2, Unless the Lord builds a house... Its builders labor in, in it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. In vain you get up early and stay up late working hard to, to have food. Yes, He gives sleep to the one He loves. My point is this. The problem lies within the confines of the home and the absentee father Not as much physically, although that's a huge problem. Not as much psychologically, again, big problem. But the greater problem lies when the Father is absent spiritually. You you see, we've grown too accustomed here in the United States. And what's the word I'm looking for? Materialism has become our God so to speak, getting that great job. And every, I, I hope everybody has a great job and it's well-paying and it's taking care of, uh, of things. Um, the, and there's all kinds of activities. But the truth of the matter is, in the meantime, we're pushing out God. We're putting Him on the shelf. And literally, we've forgotten Him. In His wonderful provision, His wisdom, His grace, His mercy, His loving kindness. We put that all aside in exchange for our pursuit for... I'm going through puberty, evidently. <coughs> Excuse me. But for, <laughs> going backwards. Yeah. So, But it's our pursuit. We've exchanged it for our pursuit for... Uh, having all of the luxuries that the world can provide and having all of the fun and all of these things. Maybe some prestige, who knows what all. We forfeited all that material wealth for material wealth and fun and activity. Meanwhile, our households are suffering tremendously of spiritual and moral, a spiritual and moral breakdown. Deuteronomy 6, and I'm going to have to read from my Bible because my computer was acting up and acting very strangely. So I'm going to go to my Bible and read it from my Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 6 for anybody that's taking notes. And I'm going to read it 
and I'm going to go through it quickly. But Deuteronomy chapter 6 tells us this very thing that I've just been showing you, spiritual and moral breakdown of the home. Verses 1 through 9, I'm going to read quickly. This is the command. Listen closely because there's some key words in here. This is the command. The statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God. How many know there's no fear of God for the most part? There's really not. Now, I don't want to paint a bleak picture because I know that the church is still alive and well, and there's probably more than we can see, but it's not certainly not uh, uh, televised or whatever. But the fear of the Lord. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God. All statues, statutes and commands I am giving you, your son and your grandson, and so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly. God's got huge blessing for us if we're only obedient to His commands and His statutes. Where was I? So that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. So that what does that just tell us right there? There isn't a lot of other gods and a lot of other religions that we need to be pursuing. We need to be pursuing God. The love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. We have to get these things rooted into our heart. Repeat them to your children. Repeat them to your children. This is a solution to what I've been talking about as far as the chaos and and all of this destruction. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Some translations are talking about talking uh, about the Lord at the dinner table. When we get up in the mornings, at lunchtime, talk about the Lord at the supper table. Bind them, it says in verse 8, as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. They had little phylacteries in uh the Old Testament, they, and I think they still do. In fact, I talked to John about it, and they had phylacteries with the Torah, if I'm not mistaken, inside of the phylacteries to keep that at the forefront of their mind. And on the, I believe they had another type of deal on their wrist where they would keep the Word of God close to them, close to the forefront of their mind, close to their heart. And it says, write them on the doorposts of your home or your house, on your city gates. Folks, here's where the problem lies. We've pushed God out of the picture. Verses 10 through 15, quickly. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, He swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that He would give you a land with large and beautiful cities that you didn't build, 
houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the place of slavery. God's got all these provisions in abundance for us. Fear the Lord your God. Worship Him and take your oaths in His name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. And He he is a jealous God. Otherwise, the Lord your God will become angry. God's going to become angry if we're not obedient. How many of us can believe God's not very happy with the way things are going right now? Otherwise, the Lord your God will become angry with you and obliterate you from the face of the earth. That's a tough one. We've forgotten over the decades to include God in every day in our everyday lives, and He's allowing us to self-destruct. God's not going to take His hand and swipe us and, and not, uh, take us all out. He's letting us self-destruct. And that's what's happening right now. Verse 17, I'm going to skip down to verse 17. If I can find it here. Carefully observe the commands of your Lord God, the decrees and statutes He has commanded you. So carefully observe the commandments of the Lord your God. Verse 18, just paraphrasing, it says to do what is right and uh, and good in the Lord's sight. So folks, what I'm saying is, is that we've forgotten God and His Word around the dinner table. At home, we're not getting it done at home. A lot of it. Now, obviously, most of us here are successful at it. I'm talking in general. It's just not getting done. So uh, it's, it, we're doing this in exchange for materialism and, and, and what they call progress. We've outsmarted ourselves in believing that we can build a home without a God. And, and as a society, we're self-destructing and God is going to let it happen. So we've got to learn to become obedient. Take the commands of God seriously. Some, someone said, why doesn't God do something? He's saying, repent first. Then he's going to do something. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. We don't teach our young people about God at home anymore as a nation, as a whole. And when the kids are start, ask, start asking questions, we ought to be able to answer them. We ought to be able to answer them. And it's because the fathers and the grandfathers have dropped the ball. Here I am again, getting tough on the guys again. Kind of dropped the ball on the responsibility to teach the Word of God to all of the generations. Even those, the Bible says, that haven't been born yet. Look how far we've fallen in no time at all. In no time at all, just since we were all young, we've fallen a great deal. We can ward off the enemies by teaching the Word of God to our children and all of the other generations. So we need, the Bible teaches us that we need to train them up in the way that we should, they should go and um, 
They'll not depart from the faith, the Bible says in Proverbs 22 and 6. Train them up in the way they should go, and they will not depart from the faith. When we don't train up our children according to the precepts of God and allow them to decide what they want to do, and we allow them to decide what they want to do in terms of religion, we allow them to become their own God themselves, practicing their own type of religion. So, folks, they, uh, they were born with a sin nature. We've got to understand that, and it's up to us to uh, train them up, to uh, fill them full of the precepts and the commands of God and, and point them in the direction and lead them to salvation to God because they're left to their own devices. So if you want, to, again, to uh, take notes, we're going to go through uh, Psalm 78, 1 through 8. I'm going to try to go through that quickly. But I wanted us to be able to get uh, some good things out of this. And I'm, I'm overlooking a whole lot of things, and I know that. But Psalm 78, 1 through 8, has some really good uh, stuff here, and I want us to, to look at that quickly. This is a, Psalm 78, 1 through 8. This is a, what they call a maskil, and it's the maskil of Asaph. And Asaph had something desperate that he wanted to share with people because he understood the danger because he witnessed, he witnessed Israel allowing uh, their children, uh, maybe a better way to put that is, he witnessed that the children were not being trained up properly in the ways of the Lord. And he saw that gradual destruction. And so he has this to say, and that's what a mascal is. He, it's a, a, a desperate message that needs to be presented. This message explains the importance of a father and his leadership role in the, ha- in the home. So I've got to turn to Psalm 120, or excuse me, 78 myself. Boy, when you rely on a computer and then it fails you, you have all kinds of issues. It says, My people, hear my instruction. Listen to the word from my mouth. I will declare wise wise sayings and I will speak mysteries from the past. Things we've heard and known and that our fathers have passed down to us. We will not hide them from their children but will tell a future generation the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, His might, and the wondrous works He has performed. He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers to teach their children so that a future generation, children yet to be born, might know. They were to rise and tell their children so that they might Put their confidence in God. That might be something you highlight in verse 7. So that they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's works, but keep His commands. Then they would not be like their fathers, a stubborn, rebellious 
generation, a generation whose heart was not loyal and whose spirit was not faithful to God. How many remember the Bible talks about the, the children of Israel being a stiff-necked generation? Because they wanted to do things their own way. They didn't want to do it according to God's way. This message explains the importance of a father and his leadership role in the home. And it's talking about the history of the exodus of Egypt and the failure of the fathers to pass along the stories of God and His steadfast love for them, His provision and His wonderful works. They failed to do that. It's a passage that's exhorting the fathers to become the parent God called them to be so as to prevent losing the different generations Coming along. Verse 1 says it, and it is encouraging us to tune in to the instruction and the wisdom of the Lord. And the psalmist here, which was Asaph, said, listen to the words of my mouth. And so what he was saying, if we look that up in the original, he's saying he was being diligent, extremely diligent and imperative about tuning our ears in to what he had to say, to be obedient to what I'm telling you. This is an imperative uh, situation here. I want you to understand that. The psalmist here is imploring and begging for his listeners not to, uh, to not only hear but actively play a role in passing along from generation to generation the truth of the history of of God, not just mere facts, but the history of God and His goodness and the importance God has in their life. This this is something that's weighing heavy on His heart. In other words, He knows from experience the seriousness of this truth. He's observed it and He's witnessed the truth that He's sharing with us. And His instructions are coming from a heart that is coming from a heart that's sold out to God. This is all coming from a heart of a man who is sold out to God and he's in touch with the heartbeat of God. And so he wants to convey this important message to us. Let's jump down to verse 4. So he tells us, let's not hide or don't hide these things from your children. Don't hide these truths from your children. These experiences that God has brought you through, don't hide them. Continue to share with them. That's one of the reasons why I went with my dad a few weeks ago to, uh, you know, just to get a point across here. We, he went and took me driving around out in the country and pointing out different landmarks and, and all these kinds of things and giving me stories about our heritage in the Kelso family. That is the same principle that he's trying to do, tell us here. Don't forsake telling these your children in the future generations and passing that along because you're going to forget. It's going to forget. It's going to fade away. Verses 5 and 6 is giving us an indication as to how important and effective the training is coming from the parents, and in particular the father. Verse 5 and 6 says he established a testimony in Jacob. And set up a law in Israel. 
It's all about the fathers and their responsibility. He established a testimony. And he established or set up a law which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the future generations, children yet to be born, might know. They were to rise up and tell their children so that they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's works but keep his commandments. So just moving along here, I want to share with you, it's too often it's left. These things are left to the Sunday school teachers, left up to uh, grandma that might still have a little bit of uh, ammunition still left in her about the things of God and the Bible. It's left up to the pastor, and that's all good stuff, but it's still dad and grandpa's, great-grandpa's, it's still our responsibility to share the precepts and the commands of God's word to these young generations, uh, to the young generations. That's the solution, folks, to what we're seeing right now, and it's not too late. Too often it's ignored altogether, and it's left up to uh, schools and universities to paint a world view for all of these children and all these people and how to get along in the world. Let me know that that's not the wisest thing to happen. So dads, don't let this kind of thing happen in your home. You're responsible for training your children in the way they should go. Otherwise, you'll be raising up a rebellious generation, void of understanding of the realities of God. Verse 8. Then... Then they would not be like their fathers. I have a different translation on my um, notes here. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn, rebellious generation and a generation whose heart was not loyal and whose spirit was not faithful to God. So I'm telling you, everyone, to listen. The reason we're seeing the upheaval and the rebellion that we're witnessing right now in our society is that because it's because of a generation of fathers have shirked their responsibility to pass along the truths of God to their children. The reason policemen's lives are in jeopardy right now, and the reason elderly, I saw one, I, I just about couldn't take it, but I saw an elderly woman, 92 years old, being beaten up and knocked down in the streets. And the reason women and children are getting raped and beaten and murdered right now on the streets is because we've forgotten about God. It's not been passed along the way it should have. It's not that way in every case, in everybody's home. I'm not saying that. But in the nation as a whole, so at best, sometimes we, um, God becomes an afterthought. And we think maybe, well, maybe we should have been praying. Maybe we ought to pray right now. Well, that's a good place to start, certainly. But what we really need to do is humble ourselves and repent and turn from our wicked ways and pray. The Bible says, and I think that's what, Second Chronicles 7.14, then God will hear from heaven and he'll hear our land. Heal our land. So then we need to observe the commandments 
and start from there. It's not too late. If we want to preserve our generations, we need to start doing this. Observe the commandments of God. Start practicing them on a regular basis in our homes and we'll avoid much of the devastation in our society. So in closing, I hope I've not bored anyone this morning, but I just think this is really, really important stuff. So in closing, parents, and I'm speaking specifically to dads, you're the greatest influence that your kids are ever going to have. It's not up to everybody else. It's up to you. Please don't let the opportunity pass you by, uh, pass you by to raise your kids properly for the, the, uh, for the glory of God and in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's your responsibility to preserve the truth of God's Word and build a confidence and a trust so He'll never, ever forget And I know if you'll do that, you'll never regret it. Psalm 128, verse 3 and 4 says, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine when your house, your children, like young olive trees around your table. Let me say that again because I think I missed a word. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house and your children like young olive trees. How many know olive trees last a last a long time. They've got a root system and a base. And that's what you're giving those kids. You're giving those kids a basis and you're giving them a chance. In this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. Closing number two. It's our job to bring our children up to the saving knowledge of God. There should always be a sense of love and delight when we consider the things of God, when we consider His commandments. Let's uh, pass that along then to our generations, starting with the ones that we have in our homes right now. And it's not too late if you've got children that are older, and certainly not too late for those that have, uh, are unborn yet. Let's pass that along to all of generations to come. And the closing, my closing um, scripture is one nineteen Psalm one nineteen forty seven and forty eight. This is what God wants for us. He wants us to uh, have a real delight and a real love for His Word. This is what we're trying to build into our kids. I delight in Your commands, which I love. I will lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and will meditate on your statutes. That's what we want to build into our kids. That's going to be long-lasting. In fact, it's going to last forever. And that's the solution to what we're seeing right now. It's not government, although that can help. It's not a whooping, although that might help. A baseball bat might help more. It's all those kinds of things, you know, trying to be a little bit comical. But uh, it's time that uh, we stand up for what's right and do what's right according to God's commands and pass it along to our kids. So 
I know I was a little bit redundant at times, but I want to make sure that we get that point across. Amen. Father, we thank you right now for your glory. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, uh, for your commands and your statutes, Father. Somebody can write down John 14, 21. I can't quote it right off the top of my head, but I know I looked it up earlier today, and that will be something good for you to understand too. Um, but I want to praise you and thank you right now for your goodness and your per- mighty provisions, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, that your word is being engrafted into us and being uh, built up in us, and we're going to survive all of those tests, Father God, that uh, we have to face, Father, and that we'll uh, enjoy for all of eternity your wonder and your glory, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.